Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 190, where today we will be talking all about keto, the ketogenic diet that is, and women's hormones. This is a topic that both Becky and I are constantly navigating as both of us personally are women using a predominantly ketogenic approach and a majority of our clients apply a low carbohydrate lifestyle. We do take a unique approach taking into account the HPA access, the influence of metabolic glands such as the thyroid, the connection to our ovaries and sexual hormone balance, as well as the fight or flight response to the adrenals and how the metabolic process of nutritional ketosis can influence each of those areas. So today will be a deep dive. Definitely buckle up, grab your pen and paper, and we're going to have a lot of fun discussing. Yes, this is totally a hot topic. And actually, episode 121, which was way back almost two years ago now, the original Keto and Women's Hormones is to date our top downloaded episodes. So we know that y'all want more on this topic and we're constantly getting questions. Yes. And often keto can get a bad rap. Um, We know that it can hit hormones and when done correctly, it can actually have phenomenal outcomes. We love welcoming all of our keto miracle babies and we can see that a high fat diet that is calorically sound when managed with a stress response can actually promote sexual hormone balance or a rebound if you've lost your cycle and even be used as a fantastic tool for managing conditions such as PCOS, fibroids, estrogen dominance, and more. Totally. And before we get into today's topic, it seems timely to let you guys know that by the time this episode airs, you'll have a couple more days to join our May 27th start of our virtual keto programs. This program will carry you all the way from the 27th of May through August with six classes Every other week taught both on a high level functional medicine intervention level, as well as helping you to troubleshoot your keto. And I'm pretty sure we weave hormones into just about every single class. Yeah. So there's actually a course specifically or a class specific on hormones where we talk about estrogen dominance, as I mentioned, fibroids, PCOS. We talk about uh, andropause or men's transition into testosterone decline. We also have an entire episode on the HPA axis and the thyroid adrenal connection. And then like Becky said, everything comes back to it because in many of our pitfalls, when we're talking about a concept such as fasting, right, we're going to take into account your hormone like leptin, the satiety hormone and how that connects with how much body fat you have and whether fasting would be good to bring down insulin levels if elevated or if you're coming at a low percent body fat and you have ideal insulin levels at a fasting rate, maybe you don't need to do a quote unquote naked fast. Maybe you need a fat fast so your body feels safe and satiated and your sexual hormone stays balanced. 
Totally. So head on over to AllieMillerRD.com, go under books and programs, and there you can sign up for our virtual keto class and reap all of the benefits that Allie just mentioned and beyond. And I think it's just such a good timely reset for, you know, what a lot of us has had going on or, or kind of some of the pitfalls of this shelter in place time that we're finally coming out of yes. just to really reset. Yes. And again, whether you are keto curious or keto did not work for you before, or you feel like you're rocking out your keto diet currently, and you just want to explore more functional medicine topics. When you go over to the website, you'll see all of the things covered, which include things like leaky gut. We discuss the variants of like a carnivore approach versus a high phytocompound antioxidant vegetable approach. We go into carb cycling and we actually give you strategy on how to incorporate carbs and really discover and dig into your personal metabolic flexibility. So this is a really engaged hands-on approach where you get both Becky and my brains <laughs> focused on your successful outcomes and you get to troubleshoot shoot and tweak within our private exclusive Facebook community. It's such a valued course and I can't wait for y'all to join. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com slash ketosis hyphen class. And uh, we look to see you in a couple days. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Before we dive into today's topic, let's just have a quick word from our opening sponsor for today's episode, Further Food. Yes. So Further Food makes the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health food tonics. We love that their collagen and gelatin come from quality sourcing, grass-fed, pasture-raised, or wild-caught in the case of their cod collagen. And all of their products are non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free. Both Becky and I and our households transitioned exclusively to using the Further Food line of collagen and gelatin in our households. And we love using collagen in both hot and cold liquids. Now that we're getting into iced tea and cold brew coffee, that's been a blend that I've been adding in in my morning. And uh, smoothies, really fantastic delivery there. Whereas the gelatin I use in gummies or in my avocado breakfast pudding from the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, and even in my low-carb uh, cookies. The chocolate chip cookies use a little bit of gelatin to give it a nice toothy chew. So when you're adding collagen and gelatin to your diet, you are supporting your gut integrity, reducing leaky gut, which means reduced inflammation in the body, enhanced immune function in the body, and less food sensitivity or reactions to foods. We also know that collagen and gelatin have fantastic support for our connective tissue, which includes hair, skin, nails, and we've seen in research studies, which we talk about in episode 144 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, all about collagen, that collagen can actually even reduce things like cellulite and support our vascular tissue, preventing against arterial injury or heart disease. So go on over to furtherfood.com, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, and you can start to explore collagen and gelatin as a food as medicine tool to enhance your gut, immune, and connective tissue. All right, let's do it. And let's open up First, just with a little bit of background on your unique approach to keto, Allie, um, before we even get into hormones at all, because we just never know when listeners are joining us. And if this is your first episode, we want to lay the foundation a little bit. 
Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of been a little bit, like we always say, we kind of talk about keto all the time, but I think it's been a little bit since we've done like a deep dive mechanistic conversation on keto. So I'm definitely excited for today's conversation. My approach to nutritional ketosis is that keto is a metabolic state. It is not a yes or no food list, and it is not a diet. Uh, The human body is really designed to be a hybrid machine running off of both glucose and ketones. In fact, you know, it's evolutionarily necessary to be able to use ketones when there were times of food insecurity and for tribes that weren't using starches and berries and seasonal changes, we know when the body does not take in carbohydrate, either from not eating carbohydrate-rich foods or from intermittent fasting or not eating at all, right, that the body has this secondary fuel source of ketones. And ketones are made by the fat that is liberated in our fat stores, so the actual metabolism of your body fat as fuel, or from the fat consumed in the diet being metabolized into ketones via the liver. We know that even in today's state of many Americans being overburdened with carbohydrates in their diet, a lot pre-diabetic, diabetic, and having insulin resistance and other metabolic complications, that even in this setting, we still see in the fetal, uh, in utero, fetuses use ketones and it's necessary and their brain prefers ketones when a mom's diet goes into a ketogenic state. We see most babies that are breastfed are producing ketones from that composition of breast milk. And we know that the body does have favorable outcomes when we look at inflammation, when we look at lean body mass and enhanced hormone management, we know HGH goes up. We look at leptin and sexual hormone regulation, which we'll dig into in today's episode. We know about the anxiolytic or mood stabilizing, anxiety reducing effects of ketones that I cover in the anti-anxiety diet, how ketones cross the blood brain barrier and actually can reduce the excitatory nerve impulses, which drive the activity of seizures. That's how we first in the, you know, American metal model of medicine started in using the ketogenic diet in approaches for seizure management, but that same mechanism actually can reduce the excitatory response in the brain that drives anxiety. And we see that ketones aid in favorably enhancing GABA expression, that mellow out compound in the brain. We see less oxidative stress in the brain, uh, less inflammation and enhanced cognitive function. So we see some anti-aging effects and the list goes on. So I do believe very strongly that the body thrives in this hybrid state. It's not all or nothing, and that's what we'll kind of start to unpack a little bit more today, this idea of metabolic flexibility, that everyone has their own threshold of carbohydrate tolerance in which they still produce ketones. Because if they are anti-inflammatory, if they support lean body mass, if they aid in favorable body composition and mood stability, then why wouldn't we want to have the magic of ketones circulating through our system on a daily basis? Totally. So we'll, we'll dig in a little bit more on your approach and what makes it unique. But now that we've got a good understanding of, you know, how you keto a little bit differently, maybe than the conventional approach, or if you're just to Google the ketogenic diet, um, let's just dig into how keto specifically can influence hormones. Yeah, most definitely. And I would say just to kind of call out beyond me being a pro- of 
the function of ketones and, and why I feel everyone should have access to them, meaning everyone should adjust their diet to be able to benefit from light nutritional ketosis, some in a deeper state. Uh, I never cheat or cut corners with it. And, and what I mean by that is that I really feel like there is this hierarchy of whole food superior, meaning a non-processed whole food always superior to a macros choice or, you know, when someone has some product has the label of a keto bar that generally raises an eyebrow that it might be a chemically processed food. And it's always about eating a whole food first and then discovering again, your, your metabolic threshold. So I think that that's a really important piece of the puzzle of where we kind of diverge, I think from the course. Would that be true? Totally. (laughs) A a huge (laughs) distinction for sure of you know, whole foods first. And really that keto food is a a food that helps you keep ketones present. So that's so different across the spectrum of so many different bodies and situations. Yeah. And and when we're talking about the hormetic influence or the influence of ketones on hormones and the individual, just like I kind of opened with fasting and how our program takes that unique approach We do that in clinic and we do that with our 12-week food as medicine ketosis program because some people are going to thrive in a low glycemic protocol. Some are going to thrive in a tighter keto protocol or even carnivore, you know, really devoid of any form of non-starchy veg and and cellulose type fibers and, and carbohydrate from veg. And then some will do really well in what we call our phase 1.5 approach, which allows even some carb cycling in the mix. And so it's it's not this myopic one size fits all. It's how does your body find balance within the equation, if you will. Totally. Okay. Now let's unpack (laughs) maybe some of the mechanisms around hormones. So let's get into um, the impact of lowering insulin and what that can actually do for some of your hormones. Let's talk leptin and get a little nerdy. Okay. (laughs) I love, I'm always welcoming nerdy in my life. So yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest influencing factors, there's two part, the, the production of ketones, which I spoke to some of those benefits of the anti-inflammatory cognitive enhancing, but when the body's in the state of producing ketones, that means that it is not having elevations of glucose. So you have to bring down your carbohydrate intake to produce ketones. And when you bring down your carbohydrate intake, you bring down your insulin demand because the pancreas makes insulin in response to circulating elevated glucose levels in response to consumption of carbohydrate sometimes stress response, but predominantly high carbohydrate intake. So when you reduce your carb intake and you transition to a ketogenic diet, your insulin levels lower. And this is important because your sexual hormone binding globulin gets dropped or lowers as your insulin level goes up. So individuals that have insulin resistance often have a very low sexual hormone binding globulin. And this uh, binding globulin, this SHBG, is produced in the liver, and it plays a big role on regulating our sex hormones as well as our thyroxine, which is our thyroid hormone. So the interesting connection there is that your sexual hormone balance and your metabolism are suppressed or reduced in the ability of expression based on insulin resistance. And so as we start to see type 2 diabetes, as we start to see blood sugar dysregulation and insulin resistance, we can start to also see 
imbalance in sexual hormone and hypothyroid, which adds insult to injury if you had the elevated body fat driving the insulin resistance. Totally. So a little bit of a a chicken and egg relationship there with insulin for sure. Absolutely. Uh, What about a little bit more on leptin and kind of what that does? And and let's talk FSH and LH as well. Sure. So generally speaking, most people that are coming in at a state of insulin resistance also have leptin resistance. And then the people, and that's people that generally have elevated body fat. Okay. Then there's people that might be doing a ketogenic diet that have history of disordered eating or are over-exercisers or those that are still recovering from the misinformation of low-fat diets or you know doing a point program of an unnamed diet, um, but basically restricting their fat. And so in, in both camps, those that have leptin resistance or leptin insufficiency, the ketogenic diet, if it's a you know sound food is medicine approach, is generally going to increase leptin. And this leptin is known as a satiety hormone, but it's really greater than satiety and regulation of appetite. I find it to be a huge influence on regulating the thyroid and the ovary function as well. Leptin actually docks to our hypothalamus in the brain. So this is the H of the HPA axis. And then it impacts our leptin production from the pituitary. When leptin levels are optimized, this favorably impacts our pituitary, the P of the HPA axis, which makes our sexual hormone balance in the body. The pituitary cells produce our FSH and our LH, which is our follicular stimulating hormone and our luteinizing hormone. And the ratio of the FSH and LH is often imbalanced when we see infertility. So we kind of get a slingshot to the pituitary gland when we optimize our leptin because that leptin gives a signal to the hypothalamus, which tells the pituitary that we're satiated, we're fed, we're safe. And that has favorable sexual hormone balance. In fact, there was a study done by the European Journal of Endocrinology back in 2001, and they found that leptin induced the pituitary cells to produce and secrete both LH and FSH with or without the presence of our gonadotropin-releasing hormone, which is that precursor in the hypothalamus. So if you think of like basically the thyroid-releasing hormone in the hypothalamus signaling the TSH in the pituitary, there's always this kind of line of phone communication. And we're seeing that basically, even if you're missing that signal from the hypothalamus, that the leptin alone can induce the pituitary to make those sexual reproductive hormones come into balance. So like you said, probably that mechanism is responsible for a lot of those keto babies that we see out there for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And then keto can also, you know, on the flip side, function as a a stressor to our body. So a hormetic stressor, which would be, you know, a, a potentially beneficial stressor, but there are some aspects that, you know, we need to, um, kind of address within that. Yeah. The fact that there's that leptin mechanism of, of impacting the hypothalamus right away. And I talked about how ketones cross the blood brain barrier. Um, ketones also do hit that hypothalamus itself. So there's two areas right away where the HPA axis or this regulatory function of fight or flight, um, you know, sympathetic response or parasympathetic balance is influenced by the production of ketones alone. And so for many of us, I really feel, and I attribute that to like the ketone high. Um, the first time I went into a state of nutritional ketosis, I remember like walking out of a parking lot from target and like feeling like, 
it was like, it wasn't a sensation of like I'd had a supercharged cold brew because it wasn't like a shaky nervous energy, but it did feel, um, lifted. And I felt like, is this legal? <laughs> like, am I allowed to feel this awesome? I wanted to just like pick up a stranger in the parking lot and hug them. And when we call it the keto high, I really feel like that's that hormetic impact on the brain signaling back to the body. And also some of that grounding anxiolytic influence, as I mentioned before on GABA, but we need to be mindful if it does intervene or, or engage with this HPA axis that we need to also be tonifying the axis and aware of whether we are in an overdrive fight or flight mode or whether we're in a burnout adrenal fatigue mode because individuals will respond differently based on that stimulus. Totally. And, and certain aspects of keto or, or kind of how you keto, or it's really where you want to dig into whether it's distressing on the body or not. So fasting, for example, is something we talk about quite often as, you know, a lever to use regularly, um, but also something that can cause further distress and, and something that we may want to pull back on if we're already under significant stress. Most definitely. We were just talking last week about how epinephrine and cortisol uh, are, you know, two primary, one, one a neurotransmitter and one a steroid hormone from the adrenal gland. So the A of the HPA axis, right? And when we do like a naked fast or an intermittent fast where we're just having tea or coffee, especially I would say if paired with caffeine um, and in an individual that is not well rested and is getting signals of hunger, but white knuckling it, following the plan and not listening to their body, that they're often going to get a cortisol surge, which is a protective measure. And that may work against their body as opposed to having the eggs and the avocado and the sprouts maybe a couple hours earlier, then their body doesn't go into that fight or flight survival mode. But to be fair, on the other hand, keto is not always stressing in that sense. And, and fasting is not hand-in-hand hand necessary for keto. It's a tool that's often paired with a ketogenic diet. So we can see that eating more fat in the diet, which is definitely <laughs> incorporated within the ketogenic diet, eating 5% more fat than usual can actually increase estrogen and androgen levels by 12% in women that are postmenopausal. So when hormone levels are declining, we require fat, ample fat, and ideally anti-inflammatory whole food fat forms to actually produce and manufacture sexual hormones. So as hormone level declines, it would make great sense for a perimenopausal population and menopausal population to apply a ketogenic diet. Or as I mentioned, if someone's dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea, or they've lost their menstrual cycle, or they're dealing with birth control, post-birth control syndrome, where they're not cycling and they don't have their menstrual cycle, eating a higher fat diet would be a great way to reset that hormone production in the body. So um, hopefully at the end of this episode, you guys will see of these levers, like Becky mentioned, you know, which ones we would turn up if looking to lose body fat, and that's going to have a different hormonal influence as opposed to those of us who are looking to enhance hormone production as opposed to XYZ. And you can increase your body fat for those of you that are perimenopausal and are like, wait, does that mean eating more calories? Does that mean I'm going to gain body fat? You can increase your fat in your diet on a macronutrient distribution while pulling out the carbohydrates to get better body composition change and body fat burn. And that liberation of body fat itself can also support the hormones. 
Totally. So it's all about, you know, your entry point, what you're looking to achieve, what your goals are in terms of hormones. Because I think across the board blanket, we often hear, oh, keto is really bad for women's hormones or keto made me lose my period. So we can't do keto. Uh, but there are other mechanisms like in, um, the example of PCOS where DHEA yes. is, is elevated and we actually see keto to be very therapeutic for those populations. Absolutely. And that's often one of those androgenic, if a woman has chin acne, if um, she's dealing with hirsutism or facial hair growth or thinning of hair in the top of the head, and we're running more androgenic elevations of DHEA or testosterone, the ketogenic diet is one of the most powerful interventions because we actually are going to um, use DHEA as a metabolite via 7-keto-DHEA. So in that production pathway, we're going to bring down that DHEA. DHEA level. And when I run a neurohormone panel and I see DHEA levels elevated, that's the number one intervention. There's really not a supplement intervention. I mean, we'll use things like spironolactone and, and these different, um, you know, antagonist medications in the medical field to try to regulate some of that androgenic activity. But the ketogenic diet is, is bar none, the most effective metabolic transition. And with that being said, just like we keep kind of doing and undoing, if we are someone that has chronic fatigue syndrome and we have known adrenal fatigue or um, we know that our cortisol levels are not optimized and they're flatlined, we may be a candidate of someone that's also low DHEA and that individual would likely need to supplement with adrenal glandular and also employ some of the tools of our adrenal rehab program and maybe even supplement with, with steroidal DHEA to be able to get that successful keto high because that low DHEA could be a barrier for their success. Totally. So you can already see that it's definitely not a one size fits all approach. And, and there's a lot of considerations with regards to keto and women's hormones. Um, let's first just cover kind of some of the primary positive influences on hormones and, and kind of what you see as the highlights. Sure. So the, the first thing I think, which is kind of the root cause of all chronic conditions, inflammation, right? So when someone employs a food is medicine, clean, not dirty, cheat keto, right? A food is medicine, naturally nourished, ketogenic approach. It is going to be anti-inflammatory. That real food focus is the first step in healing. And we are already removing a lot of the pro-inflammatory foods that I demonize in the anti-anxiety diet, right? There's no corn. There's going to be no gluten. There's going to be no excess of processed sugars. Now, the dairy and the soy are two that we look to navigate if still working with inflammation. And I think another element that sets our program apart from many out there is that when we think keto, I think that a lot, and in women's hormones, don't you think, Becky, it's worth discussing? Because I think a lot of the areas of a pitfall is excess dairy consumption, and dairy is estrogenic. So if you're someone that's trying to reduce estrogen dominance and you're dealing with hormonal related acne or you're dealing with fibroids or you're dealing with excess body fat and then you switch to a keto diet which is like you know canned cream soup and yeah. and butter and cream of, cheese and yeah yeah shredded cheese and all the things all those things are lovely and sometimes we do make recipes with them like our um, cheddar biscuits that Which I know you and I delightful enjoyed <laughs> um, but I don't think that our keto generally has a, a 
big focus on dairy. We're talking about using more like cultured dairy and, and kind of using it as a condiment versus yes. using it as like the crux of your Staple. diet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you remove that, then it definitely is in the anti-inflammatory uh, repertoire for sure. And to note, the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook has 80 plus gut healing keto-friendly recipes, and they all are free of those five inflammatory compounds. So the gluten, corn, soy, dairy, and sugar. Uh, you also, beyond getting the anti-inflammatory approach, you are going to be getting the gut support. So we're going to see some therapeutic benefits from healing leaky gut, at least in our program. We have food as medicine goals per class. So we have an entire class about inflammatory food response, what is leaky gut, the plant paradox. So you know, what do we think about oxalates and what do we think about the anti-nutrients in plants? And we give food as medicine goals, and that class is highly focused on bone broth, collagen, and gelatin. And this is something that can fit as a fantastic staple within the ketogenic diet. Then we're looking at, of course, beyond the removal, um, adding in supplemental support um, beyond getting the high antioxidant foods and the cultured vegetables that enhance your microbiome and the nutrients that support connective tissue and gut repair. We're looking at considering different supplements to aid with cravings like GABA Calm or different supplements to manage the HPA axis like our Calm and Clear or that Relax and Regulate to get that inositol and the magglycinate for rebounding sexual hormone function. So the, the high fat diet alone, as I mentioned before, is very tonifying for the hormones and very tonifying for our adrenal glands. And when you apply a quality high fat diet in balance with antioxidants and grass-fed pasture-raised quality proteins that are rich in omega-3s, you're really getting a good synergistic effect in food as medicine. You're getting that reduction in insulin and you're getting enhanced insulin sensitivity. So this has a remarkable influence on hormones. As I mentioned, your sexual hormone binding globulin will actually go up as that insulin resistance reduces, which means you're able to use, you're able to fit in those receptor sites, the hormone. Um, we see that the two primary tools used with infertility are metformin and Clomid, and metformin basically is a hypoglycemic drug, a drug to bring down your blood sugar levels. Well, not eating carbs can do that too and actually get more benefit myriad effects without the GI distress and the depletion of antioxidant capacity. And then we talked about how that influence on the pituitary is actually very comparable or maybe more efficacious than Clomid, the popular infertility drug, which has some unknown mechanisms and it's basically a slingshot to the pituitary. You're getting that same FSH and LH response and maybe more favorable with a sound nutritional keto approach. Totally. And then prolactin too. I don't think we've touched on this one very much yet. Um, let's talk about prolactin and how that can inhibit ovulation and, and how keto can be helpful there too. Yeah. And I tend to see elevations of prolactin in stressed individuals, in individuals that have PCOS. So that can sometimes pair with those that have an elevated DHEA, but we know that prolactin levels when elevated actually inhibit and prolactin is made by the pituitary. So this is another pituitary connection there. Um, elevated prolactin actually inhibits ovulation. It drives belly fat and breast tenderness, and it can also be paired with irregular cycles. 
So beyond the mental emotional stress, we do see that individuals that have high prolactin also tend to have elevations in blood sugar level. So when we reduce our blood sugar and we go into a ketogenic diet, that can actually bring down that prolactin, which can optimize ovulation. And we talk in our class about hemp seeds as a tool there. Hemp seeds, because of their rich status of GLA, gamma linoleic acid, um, actually have been shown in studies to also support the lowering of prolactin levels, which in turn aids in healthy ovulation. I feel like you used hemp seeds a lot in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. I did. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at them on the cover right now. Uh-huh. Totally on those fish tacos. <laughs> one of those things I like forgot about for a while coming from a, a vegan diet and then kind of reintroduced, you know, within the past year or so with yeah. that cookbook. Awesome. Um, and since we're on the topic of uh, hormone dysregulation and, and irregular cycles, let's just dig in there a little bit longer, um, because I think this is a question we really often see. Um, so is it normal to have a shorter cycle or maybe some breakthrough bleeding when you first start keto? How common is it to maybe miss a cycle when you first start? Yeah. Great questions. This is like every, (laughs) I could eliminate so many DMS if I could just answer this sufficiently in this episode. (laughs) Yes. So again, you know, keto is a hormetic stressor, so it does in sense push a reset button or kind of create a shock to the body. And this change can throw off the HPA axis and this can reset your cycle at what seems to be a random time. It can hold or miss the typical signaling for your cycle. And when we see the breakthrough bleeding, I generally think of that as an individual that may have fibroids um, or some form of tissue buildup or estrogen dominance. So in this individual, I would lead with the Broco detox and the inflammazyme. Um, I had a client that uh, postpartum, her second baby, um, she had an emergency C-section with her first and then her second baby was a successful VBAC so a vaginal birth after cesarean. And um, she once she got her menstrual cycle back, which was like four or five months postpartum when she was still breastfeeding, her cycle would come. And then like for nine days after her period, she would just kind of shed and just have like a, a, a discharge. And I see this actually common, um, and it can, it can be based on how the body reset postpartum. And so if there is any of that tissue that's residual, the body isn't really able to fully release it. So when you do get this signaling of this reset, um, going ketogenic, the body may be now more aware of that and trying to break down that tissue buildup. Inflamazyme is a fantastic tool. I actually used both Broco detox and inflamazyme with this woman and her second cycle of use, it totally resolved. Um, so really powerful tools. The inflamazyme is a combination of proteolytic enzymes, which break down tissue buildup in the body. Um, not in an aggressive way. It only builds up tissue that does not belong and it has anti-inflammatory mechanisms. There's botanicals and those proteolytic enzymes. And then the Broco detox uses a combination of broccoli sprout, um, as well as the active enzyme that can aid in, you say it, Becky, you say it better than me. It's a myrosinase. 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 Okay. (laughs) I always try to throw another letter in there somewhere (laughs) that activates the sulfur compounds that are in the sprouts that have that high antioxidant capacity and also ability to reduce estrogen dominance in the body. 
Awesome. Awesome tools for sure for that individual. And then what about for someone who is missing a cycle? What do you think is going on there and and what would we bring into their keto to help to support the body? Yeah. And can I actually say for the breakthrough bleeding, I've also seen that on women that have been on birth control for an Mm -hmm. extended period of time and their body's like breaking through, like, no, this synthetic hormone is not regulating me where I want to be. Have you seen that as well? So I I would say those two things. So I still would go the inflammasome route with that, but I think to answer this section in general, if you're getting in a regular cycle, whether it is breakthrough bleeding or whether it is a missed cycle, as I'm going to answer more thoroughly now, I think it's always a stress element because again, this HPA axis reset. So I think regardless, all of the population of women doing keto should be using support with inositol. Um, And inositol is just such a powerful derivative kind of cousin in the B vitamin family. It's a a cellular messaging uh, compound that is very powerful in nourishing our ovaries. In fact, we've seen 67% increased ovulation with use of four grams daily, which is what is in a scoop of our relax and regulate. So we do have the relax and regulate in the keto essentials bundle of our supplement packs because we just feel like actually all genders and and beyond the ovaries that I'm calling out for women's today, there's so much magic and support of magnesium bisglycinate and myo-inositol in managing the hormetic influence of ketosis, including how we metabolize cortisol, including how we metabolize sexual hormone and keeping the body in that space that feels safe. So I think that that's kind of a pillar. Would you agree across the board regardless? hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would say also with both the populations, you'd want to consider some form of adaptogens or nervines. So whether you would layer in calm and clear or the adaptogen boost, probably appropriate for all. And then getting a little further into that missed cycle, um, I would think again, maybe this person has suppressed hormones. So giving them, uh, a boost of B vitamins. I would definitely encourage ensuring that they are consuming organs, which are nature's superfood for B vitamins. They could layer in our B complex. And then I would ensure that they are getting essential fats because sometimes we'll miss that cycle if we're not getting that leptin. And if that individual was someone that was a calorie restrictor and now they're doing fasting with keto and you know they're following some program not specific for their body, they may not be getting, even though keto is a high fat diet, ample calories and ample fat. So adding in something like an omega-3 supplement, like the EPA, DHA extra, and maybe even ensuring that they're not fasting, but they're doing only a fat fast would be another way to reset those that are um, dealing with amenorrhea or a loss of cycle. Totally. So kind of auditing your macros, making sure you're not over-restricting or haven't lost weight too quickly in that first month. That could be another reason that cycle is, is going MIA. And I think it's important to note that it's normal to see some dynamic yeah. changes and, and, you know, it may take three months of keto for things to kind of really shake out. But I think some of these, these tools are really important, such as the nourishing whole foods approach, you know, being really proactive with your stress support and layering on some of the supplemental support that Ali just mentioned. If you are dealing with some of these hormonal hiccups, if you will, they don't mean that keto is not working. It just means you need to, you know, 
reset and, and pivot a little bit. Right. I was going to say different or change from your norm does not mean bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, we have this perception of like, oh no, I went from a, you know, 28 day cycle to all of a sudden a 16. And if it continues, so, mm-hmm. so again, to see a reset or a blip in the radar, very normal. Um, but if it continues to be shortened cycles and you're looking, that would be anovulatory, right? If you're not ovulating because your cycle isn't making it that full minimum 24 days to ovulate, then we'd want to investigate further. And so it kind of, again, the first process would be, do you have stress support? And I, I would ask that of anyone, whether they're doing keto or not, because we know stress is the biggest influence to the HPA axis, which tells the body it's not safe. And then the body says, well, we're not going to reproduce. <laughs> we're going to shut it down. So, you know, looking at things like ashwagandha, um, or which is also known as Indian ginseng, this is a GABA antagonist. And so it's one of the most powerful adaptogens, but also a calming a- adaptogen, which allows relaxation and release during stressful periods. This is in our calm and clear formula. Um, we've seen that ginseng root, um, which is in the adaptogen boost, has been shown to actually half prolactin levels. So again, when prolactin goes up from stress, the ginseng that's in the adaptogen boost can help with that. So if you're dealing with infertility, that'd be another one to consider in that playing field. But yeah, stress can influence all of these factors, the prolactin, the FSH, the LH, the DHEA, the cortisol, the epinephrine, all on their own. And nutritional ketosis can influence these as well. Um, And so we have to just consider what role nutritional ketosis is playing and then whether we want to bubble wrap and adjust because the magic of ketones is worth keeping in the equation. And that kind of comes back to that allostatic load, um, which was a fun episode that I'll put in the show notes. And I, I like to liken our stress load to like a wardrobe, right? If you're taking on a new stressor, you need to be mindful. And keto is a new stressor. It's new for the body if you're transitioning back in. You need to be mindful of not also starting a boot camp at that time. You need to be mindful of potentially ensuring you're getting quality sleep. So releasing that staying up late night so that you can fit in your wardrobe, this new seasonal, whatever. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you said that because I think for a lot of us, especially those that are type A, you know, it's, it's that like wedding planning type of stress where it's like, we are doing great. We're totally killing it. We're fasting. We're going to spin class waking up early and then, you know, trying to keto harder on top of it. And then it just kind of hits us, um, and kaboom, our hormones go off. Right. Um, but I think, you know, again, our emphasis is not, um, if this is not a hundred percent associated with, with carb restriction, um, you know, in fact, the carb control can actually have a very favorable impact on cortisol over time. It might be actually those other tools that you're layering on or, or maybe misusing that is causing things to go awry. Totally. And so actually in adrenal fatigue, Um, So like I said, cortisol and epinephrine can be thrown off from fasting, um, but in the states of adrenal fatigue, in fact, we use in our adrenal rehab program, uh, ketosis can actually reverse dysregulated cortisol metabolism. So it can actually decrease cortisol clearance, right? So the removal of cortisol from the body, and it can actually increase cortisol regeneration. 
So for many people that are kind of stressed and wired, stressed and tired, and their cortisol metabolism is off, we've seen via the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology that a carbohydrate-restricted diet can actually enhance rebounding cortisol levels. So this is something to, to really consider. And when we think of that metabolic syndrome pattern of the individuals that have elevated body fat, elevated glucose levels, elevated insulin levels, and not present ketone levels, right? Because that high carb is not allowing them to produce the ketones. Um, we can see the actual opposite effect. So cortisol levels tend to plummet or they'll spike rapidly and we'll get that inflammatory effect. And we're not going to get that regeneration and clearance as we would with a ketogenic approach. And there's activity in the liver on a particular enzyme known as cortisone reductase that is favorably enhanced through nutritional ketosis. And that same enzyme pathway is actually also favorably enhanced through curcuminoids. So curcuminoids are found in turmeric. Um, the super turmeric um, is our product, which has uh, three different forms of bioactive curcuminoids blended with turmeric oil. And what's really cool about this, and I think kind of one of these awesome synergy uh, of food as medicine elements is the super turmeric naturally reduces inflammation, right? Um, and it can be a safe pain manager without destroying the gut or, you know, distressing the liver like some of the NSAIDs would. But it can then also spare cortisol levels or enhance low cortisol levels to bring them back to an optimal range. And that cortisol level is your primary steroidal hormone that manages your foundation of pain and inflammation. So, you know, it's one of those things where, again, someone like I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, 58-year-old man with the basketball belly starting the keto program, he might rely on like three or four super turmerics a day because of his lower back pain. But over time, as he's enhancing his human growth hormone and his testosterone's optimizing, he's burning that belly fat, he's bringing down his insulin resistance, he's um, producing ketones, he's also supporting his liver to regulate the cortisol metabolism and now create this foundation of anti-inflammatory effect, which means over time, he might only need one or two a day or, you know, only as needed per pain for activity. Totally. I love when natural compounds and, and food as medicine just kind of make sense in that synergistic way for sure. Um, and, and in our 12 week keto program, you know, we have an entire class on thyroid and adrenals because there's just so much to cover there that totally it gets, it gets a full class. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And as we're at 45 plus minutes of recording. I think we wrap up here and then next week we'll go into a deeper dive on beyond the adrenals, the thyroid connection to keto and women's hormones. And also we will cover the conversation that everyone wants to hear again, carb cycling and go into the influence of leptin hormone as well as some listener questions in a rapid fire kind of mode. I think that's a wise choice because otherwise today's going to get really long. Um, so if this has already struck a chord with you and you're wanting a deeper dive on keto hormones and, and kind of all things keto, our virtual program is starting up live this Wednesday, May 27th. So if you're listening real time, you've got two days to join before that first live class. And we've got about 
20, I believe, spots remaining as we go into this class. So we'll have a pretty powerful um, group to start off with for sure. And I want to remind you guys that those that join our program do get exclusive discounts on labs, on our supplements, and really just get to pick our brains for a full 12 weeks within the live classes interaction and then within the Facebook group as well. Yes, it's one of the most supporting offerings that we have to provide you access to functional medicine with strategic food as medicine interventions. So again, this is so much beyond keto. If you're a fan of the podcast, you're going to love the 12-week food as medicine virtual ketosis class. We cover things like leaky gut. We cover, of course, hormones, adrenals, autoimmune conditions, micronutrient deficiencies, the microbiome, dysbiosis, and so much more. So if you're sitting on the fence, I hope that this is your budge and that you will be the one that snags one of those spots. Looking forward to chatting with you in a little bit more of an intimate space in the program. So go on over to AllieMullerRD slash ketosis hyphen class and grab your spot today and tune in next week where we'll be talking part two updates on keto and women's hormones. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.